Joe on a Monday, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis. Brent Gunning, the first day of the NHL, second half of the season, unofficial, unofficial second, yeah. second half of the season. Uh, Leafs uh, back in action at home against Patrick Waugh and the Islanders tonight. Uh, the All-Star game in the books, Brent. Mm-hmm. How you doing? How's your weekend? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, my own child was uh, on the ice and got to watch some hockey. Uh, it was cold. So, I don't know. Some good, some bad. How about you? How was your weekend? I was in Niagara for a hockey tournament. Mm, regale uh, me with tales. Uh, the hockey was played okay. in Niagara. No wins were had. Okay. And and I... But moral? Any... Uh, like, I mean, that's all we got at this point. Well, what the, about moral draws? It sounds like moral wins were tough to come by. Were there any moral draws? That's all we have to hang our hat on at this point. Um, my son playing his first year of rep. He, he has yet to register victory. In fact, you know, the, the last league games they played, yeah. they lost uh, 14 to 1 and then uh, 21 to mm. nothing. So Yikes. Uh, <laughs> we're just hanging Whoops. our hats on, on moral victories. I. I mean, the possibility does exist of, yep. a, of a victory this season, I'll tell you. Oh. Like, yeah. I, I'm a sports fan, yeah. right? But, like, when you get in this industry, you do lose a little bit. Like, it's only yeah. – I'm, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. it's only natural. Playoffs come around, it's a different deal. But if my son's mm-hmm. under-nine yeah. rep hockey team wins a game this season – Yeah. It'll it, be your miracle. Uh, I don't know what it'll feel like to to see the Leafs win a Stanley Cup it's, for the first time in right. my lifetime. You won't. But I, I I think it might feel akin to that. I told some of the parents on the weekend, yeah. like, if they won one of these games, I might actually run onto the ice at the conclusion nice. of them. So, yeah, just just bear in mind that I may be arrested at some point in the not-too-distant future Great fodder for, for running the onto the ice. Just make sure the parents have the cameras rolling. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, they, they played hockey. They won no, none of the games. I was really hoping, because I, I made a point, and I roped Jesse into this, who was filling in for you, to wishing the team, like I said, good luck, Burlington Bulldogs on air. Oh, so I did say that. I heard that. And I was hoping that I, that would have been enough to spurn them. Like, they would have been, it's like their own dad, Saying good luck, who cares? Yeah. It's just like you're just some guy who lives in their house. But yeah, you know, a, a noted member of the media, yeah, such as throwing myself, that out into the world. And guess what? It, not, did, it, it didn't help. It did nothing. <laughs> it did nothing. They, they had some fun though, that's and they awesome, got man. and they got to watch the event that's made for eight year olds. Well, hold on, before we transition, this is the first one, right? Like, did it? Like, this is the first one for your your boys is like away hockey tournament. Like, that is just such a core tenant memory yes. of, uh, of everybody. Like, everybody growing up, you, oh, if you got sure. to do it, it's something you'll never, Although, ever forget. The hotel made us oh. sign a waiver what? that you couldn't bring in mini sticks. Mm. Mini sticks, like, outlawed at this hotel. And let me tell you, yeah. the Four Seasons, it was not, okay? okay. <laughs> it's not the Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> Maybe just a couple of seasons? Yeah. Literally, I had to go up an elevator into an unfinished part of the hotel to walk down a hallway to my room. Nice. So, nice. Yeah, probably... Like didn't Could have need allowed to... a mini stick or yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A mini stick would have been fine. Might have, might have actually improved the decor if right. you know kids were allowed to play in a hallway with well, mini think, sticks. And just think, one day maybe they could be like, you know, uh, Connor Bedard or fill in name X. Mm-hmm. It's like they made that mm-hmm. stick mark on Everett the wall. Ennis, yeah. Right, of course. Yeah. Have assumed. <laughs> uh, it's hard. It is hard to say that when it's like every day you're just like. And they lost twenty to one. Yeah, it's tough to. But assume. listen, he's just one. Well, of I don't want a put, collective. And I think it's better if you don't put expectations, so it like comes out of nowhere, like bam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and good. that's what's happening for this bulldog team. There are no expectations. Okay, but yeah, no, it's nothing like uh, 
actually only like so we this league plays uh there's some there's a team in Kitchener, there's a mm-hmm. team in Waterloo, which is about forty five minutes away yeah. from where I live in Burlington. It's actually shorter drive to Niagara, but for you know for reasons like children purposes, yeah. I guess we stayed in a hotel for a couple of nights. So yeah, they enjoyed that immensely. And yeah, listen, you do forget at times that you live so close to one of the natural wonders of the world. Mm-hmm. And I I I need a refresher every every time I see Niagara Falls. Still beautiful. Did you do the thing we all do where you go like, hmm, nice, good, beautiful. And then, okay, how long are you going to, like, how long are we really going to stare at some water? Uh, no, I, listen, I don't disrespect I, I Niagara Falls no, like I, that. I agree. It's just, it's no different than anything else. And I don't know, maybe some art buff is going to tell me a long time, but I don't know how long you're going to sit there and stare at the Mona Lisa. Like you see it go hmm, smaller have than you, I thought. Have you been to Paris? I've, I've seen the Mona Lisa. <laughs> have I oh, been yeah, to right. Paris? Yeah, like been the least cultured house. man in the world. Yeah. I've been to Paris. Have you I been went, to Paris, Ontario? Uh, I've driven through it for sure. Mm-hmm. And I have been to Europe. I went, I did like a Germany, Lucerne, like a Germany, Switzerland, mm. Belgium thing when I was 16. And mm-hmm. then I was like, all right, cool. I've seen did the it. Mona Lisa. It's so smaller than you expect. That was my joke. Yeah. If you're too busy thinking about your own questions, you yeah. missed it when I said it. Oh, you said it was smaller than, okay. I yeah, missed I that. No, I'm I was staring right at you. Yeah. And you no, said I, that? I, I literally said, I'm like, oh, the Mona Lisa, hmm, smaller than you think. And then that was like roped in of like, I'm an art guy. I know the Mona Lisa. <laughs> that was like, I was trying to like do a little wink and you just, meh, bulldozer yeah, right over it. No, no, Did no. you know it's smaller? Yeah. I just yeah. said that four seconds ago. Wake up. It's Monday morning. Uh, it's smaller than you would expect mm-hmm. it to be under glass. I've seen it in person. You're right. It's it's not all that impressive. Niagara Falls is more impressive than Mona Lisa. Uh-huh. That's, like, listen, Whoa. starting my week with a spicy take, I, give me you know give me a hundred Niagara Falls over one Mona Lisa. Full cosign. All right, full cosign. Uh, I I told the NHL that they needed to lean into the Justin Bieber <laughs> of it all. Okay, all right. Is this too much more? I mean, you you can just, just crank say, in the dial. Yeah, we you, talked about drill. It's like that drill tweet of like yeah. just cranking a dial that says Justin Bieber until <laughs> yeah. there's more and more cheers. You can say uh, uh, correlation is not causation, but I will say last time I was on the air it said more Justin Bieber, and then since then for a rights holder, like lo- lots of Justin Bieber. Just saying. You can say that the broadcast plans were already in effect Mm-mm. before. I, we I disagree. I directly impacted the the Bieber of it all. They got to get you in a suit and get you into one of these meetings that people have in this building all the yeah, time. Yeah, I don't know where those are. I don't. I don't they, think they, they bar me. Tell for, me. Yeah. You, I feel like, could sneak your way in. Me, they're like, get this guy uh, out of here. He's wearing a uh, hat. I don't know. Uh, anyways, I, I would say rousing success all around mm-hmm. for the Toronto All Star Game. I would say. The, there's a twofold reason. One is that it, it was just simplified, right? Like simple, simple, simple. Um, no, no gimmicky stuff. The 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 million dollar incentive worked for everybody ex- except for Nikita Kucherov. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that the players cared outside of Nikita Kucherov, and the there was real, real star power. And Toronto's the hockey mecca, and everybody had a great time. Like I, I there's nothing to denigrate. All-Star Weekend for the first time since, what, 2001 here in the city. No, just Nikita Kucherov. Make sure That's make sure yeah, to denigrate him a thousand times over. And if you do it, uh, do it with your chest. Don't walk it back on, on Twitter there, John Butchergrass. I don't know if you saw that. Either. No, I missed he was that. Pretty, it was like, you know, he's rightfully so in the moment, pretty critical of Kucherov going through the motions and then, you know, obviously realized he was critical of an athlete he has to mm-hmm. interact with on occasion and then had a... Uh, 
a no, five a point joke. a five point bulletin of why Kucherov is a great man. You should actually go check it out. Give it's me a, a break. It's an all time overcorrection. There. Uh, guess what? Uh, you're in Toronto. Uh, open open season on Hayden Nakuti Kucherov. You're allowed to do it. I thought it was great. I I will admit the. You know, if I'm going to get nitpicky, it's like, yeah, the one-timer challenge and stuff was a little weird, but I thought it was great to simplify the skills contest, get all the other guys off the ice, just have, you know, the guys who needed to be there, be there. Thought it was cool bringing Bedard out. He looked sheepish, mm-hmm. almost embarrassed to be there, which, you know, like we remember the quote he had before the season started of, well, if I make the team. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the way he's wired. It is what it is. I thought it was awesome. Like you leaned into the Toronto of it all. You had star power and it just, it felt like a big deal in a market where it should. It didn't feel like a gimmicky. No. Who's, who's that all-star game? It was yeah. a, it felt like a, it felt like a throwback all-star game where it's like, wow, these are stars and, and they matter. Yeah, these are stars and they matter and they're in a place where it matters that they matter, right? Like, and you can't do it every year. No. Because, yeah, no, part I mean. of, I, sure. But, yeah, part of, the, part of the the reason they move it around is you got to give a throwback to these owners of NHL franchises who might not be raking in the dollars hand over fist. And, yeah, you're still trying to grow the sport in non-traditional uh, hockey markets. Get it, get it, get it. The other thing that, that really stood out to me, I mean, so much of what made the weekend great was, well, Austin Matthews took it upon himself mm-hmm. to be the host and and took that as a real responsibility. We know how involved Connor McDavid has been in the planning yes. and the organizing of the skills portion of the rigging of it for himself. <laughs> weekend, particularly. It is kind of curious that, yeah, he walks away with the million bucks. But yeah, like, what are you going to do? And when- then there's a contest <laughs> for the fastest guy with slightly blonde hair wearing 97. <laughs> <laughs> well, take yeah. that, it's, Kaprizov. It's not like, yeah. I mean, yeah, he he's the best, so it also Shocker. makes sense. And yeah, he, and he did. But those two guys are like, it does feel like you couldn't have two better torchbearers for growing the game. They care now. I I think it more exists in the core of Austin Matthews to be outgoing and to be selling of the game and to be hobnobbing with the celebrities than it does. Connor McDavid, but he's grown into that role as well. Like these guys care about the future of this game and maybe about, you know, the salary cap going up to a discernible level when they have new contracts to sign at the back half of their careers. Those, those guys feel like the, the, the correct two guys, if you were just going to pick two hockey celebrities to be the best players in the sport and to be the guys that are going to shape the future of it, that they feel like they've won taken that mantle seriously and two are pretty good at it. Yeah, I I would agree with that. If I'm going to do a little bit and none of these ever work as exact apples to apples comparisons, but what was the last, who were the last two guys who we gave this task to? It was Crosby and Ovechkin. And, you know, again, these aren't exact one-to-one comparisons, but you've got your McDavid in the kind of Crosby mold of everybody blanket, best player in the world, best player in the league, just serial winner now hasn't done that yet at the NHL level, but had all those accolades coming up. And then you have, and, but a little more reserved, a little more quiet. Then you have a guy in Ovechkin who, you know, it was just because the language barrier wasn't always actual like verbose stuff, but you could see it. There was a personality there and you see it with Matthews. There's a personality there. You know, it's not always in like the way guys dress and carry themselves. It's like, He's got dangling earrings playing in an all-star game. It's like he's best friends with Justin Bieber. He clearly leans into that. So I actually think that the closest thing we've seen to the blueprint in the last 20 years has been 
Crosby and Ovechkin. And, you know, it's so simple to say, but I do really think it's, it's kind of worked out seamlessly again with mm. these two. Well, and yeah, you had Captain Canada and Sidney Crosby and yeah. his biggest international competitor playing for Team Russia, Alex Ovechkin. Now we could have two guys going head-to-head yep. in the foreseeable future now. We have definitive answers about the future of international hockey as yep. soon as next season. So there will be no All-Star game next year. That's so. okay. Uh, it's great. Uh, all the great things we said about the All-Star game, uh, that's fine. We'll lose them in one millisecond for best on best. Two straight years without an All-Star game because we're going to have an Olympic Games after that. That's fine, too. Yeah, so we get the Four Nations face-off event next year. We got the Olympics in stone now, barring another global pandemic, uh, in 2026 and 2030. I'm not ruling anything out, just to be clear. Y- yeah, you shouldn't. Uh, 2026 is in Italy. Uh, 2030 has yet to be decided. France. Nice. You know, nice. Okay. It's right. nice and nice. And then I, I guess we'll, we'll see about 2034. The thought process is Salt Lake City there. And uh, if the NHL is going to want to, you know, play games there, if it's anywhere in America, mm-hmm. the league will go. So I, I would feel like it is it is confirmed, mm-hmm. two. I'd be shocked if it's not three. Let's talk about the, the thing that is uh, quickest to, to arrive on our calendar. This seven, uh, or I guess it's a seven games. Like there's a round robin event and then just immediately the top two teams in the round robin are going to play in the final. Canada, the United States, Sweden, and Finland next year at the all-star break. It's the first best on best that we've got since 2014, which is insane. More than a decade. It's not the Olympics. It's a limited field, but what it's going to have is Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. How How is it going to feel at this time next season when we get our first best on best, at least with, with the four countries yep. involved? It's not the best on best when it comes to the world. Be no Russia. There'll be no Czech Republic or Czechia. You know, the, the, there's there's some teams obviously going to be missing, but I think honestly, if we're just, we're just being frank here, yep. I probably would have taken a seven-game series between the United States and Canada. I, When this idea was first bandied about, I actually just thought that we should just do a Scandinavian and a North American best-to-best, mm-hmm. seven-on-seven, or seven best-to-seven, best-to-five, something along those lines. That is what I would have taken. I would have gladly had it. I think the interesting thing about this is that the World Cup of Hockey – the last time we had it, part of it was that we were used to the Olympics and that's what felt big and a World Cup felt different and small. But part of it was the gimmick teams, your team North America and your team Europe. And this is a less is more idea. It's like just blue bloods only, which, hey, like, you know, if I'm going to use like a college football or a college basketball example, mm. it's fun when you're Eastern Tennessee, southwestern state I mean, makes blue bloods a run. Except for Russia. Russia is a blue blood. Well, well, no, I'm not saying all the blue bloods are there. I'm saying all that you have there are blue bloods. And yeah, is it fun when you're also Ram makes a run until they're in the final and it's Europe right. against Canada and it has no feel, no stakes, nothing along those lines. So this is a awesome less is more. Yeah, we would love a full blown Olympics with all the countries in there. And yeah, to your point, your your Czechias, your Russias, you mm-hmm. know, thing, there are tons of great other nations. You know, you see. Germany, the strides they're making. You don't want to lock them out of international hockey, anything along those lines, but you needed to get it back. You absolutely had to. And I think it would have been really easy with the Olympics in 26 to just say, all right, 
We'll see you in 26. Right. And I'm thrilled they're not doing that. Now, part of this is the NHL is going to have their, you know, hands in the coffers on this, yeah. rightfully so. You know, I don't begrudge them making any money. But I, I think that's the really encouraging part of this is that it's not just waiting for 26. Yeah. And the NHL smartly doing it before the first Olympic uh, return uh, since 2014, right? Like, I think that's what's going to make ne- this Four Nations uh, face-off thing special is that it's going to be the first sampling we've gotten since 2014. And I think we can safely say Mm -hmm. that Sid and McDavid will play on that team. Will they play in 26? Sid will be 38. It's going back and looking at that 2014 roster. Marty St. Louis, he was also Mm -hmm. 38. It's not unreasonable to think that Sid will be on that team. But here's what we know for sure. Mm -hmm. I think, again, barring an injury, but this is a guy who doesn't look like he's slowing down yet, is going to be on Team Canada with Connor McDavid, and we're finally going to see those guys as teammates wearing Mm -hmm. the Maple Leaf. Yeah, it's remarkable. I I don't know if you want me to answer the Crosby Olympics in 26 question right now, or you want me to hold my fire on that? No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, he will. I will put it in... Like what? What's what's bolder than pen? Can we carve it in granite? I, was, I mean, blood. Okay, let's put it in blood then. I don't care. Pick whose. Sidney Crosby will be on that team. I don't care if it says the thirteenth forward. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it is a fourth line checking center. He is on that team. There is no world where Sidney Crosby is still playing hockey, and it is not as part of that Olympic team in almost certainty, unless he says, "No, no, we need a passing of the torch, mm-hmm. wearing the captaincy." So I just want to like. Get that out front. There's no world I can see Crosby ever not having this. In terms of how special it'll be to see McDavid and Crosby together and throw McKinnon in the mix there. Like McKinnon, you know, I believe he was on the six. No, he wouldn't have been because he was on the Young Guns team. Mm -hmm. You know, those guys are tied at the hip and they've never got to play together there. And, you know, no no one's going to sit here boohooing for the Americans their entire golden generation has not got to play with the group of guys who set them up to have this. It is awful. All you want in sports is the connections, the lineage, one generation to the next, especially in international sports where, yeah, the idea of a guy, you know, the the Sidney Crosby where you have a player for 20 years and he's just part of your franchise, that doesn't exist anymore. But it does in international sports where guess Mm -hmm. what? Sidney Crosby ain't changing allegiances Anytime soon, he's going to be playing for Team Canada and probably managing it one day as well. So to see that through line of him, you know, I can go back and think of him on 2010 and all the guys he played with. You want that connective tissue and to not have had it for a generation. It is, it's been a decade. It is now a full-blown generation of guys mm-hmm. who have come into this league and never got to experience it. Yeah, uh, 2010 was Sid's first Olympics. He was in the midst of a... Incredible rookie season in 06 mm-hmm. was not on the Canadian team that year. Yeah, um, how'd that go? Yeah. They stunk. They sure turn. did. Uh, so, I mean, it does raise the question of Connor Bedard, who, I mean, we got to see it for a full season. Connor Bedard is going to be 20 in 26, right? Yep. So, uh, Matt Duchesne was the youngest back in, in 2014. He was 23 on that mm-hmm. Team Canada team. Yep. Uh, and Connor Bedard has to show it over the course of a regular season. I think the small sampling we got of Connor Bedard, we're like, oh, that guy could probably play for yep. for Team Canada. But that, that is young, man, twenty. And yeah, you look at 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 Sid mm-hmm. did not play again. It was the the circumstance of the Olympics happened to coincide with his rookie season. We didn't even have a full sampling mm-hmm. of Sidney Crosby, but did not play in his first 
kick at the can at the Olympics. Do we expect Connor Bedard to be on this Olympic team in two years? The Olympic team, yes. I think the World Cup team is a tough sell. Yeah. Just with the or yeah, Four Nations Cup. I'll, I'll get the name by the time we're playing it. The Four Nations face-off. Dakota Cup. Just mm. got to be honest. I feel like the branding and the, the old TM's already been done on that, but I, I like Cup better, uh, just being honest. It's going to be tough because, he's, you know, I imagine he comes back at some point in time this year. It's going to be a pretty limited run. It's not like he's going to be... He'll be setting the world on fire, you know, to a certain extent, but we know what that Blackhawks team looks like. We know how hard it is, and I don't think they're going to get better in leaps and bounds this summer. So Olympics, by the time that happens, yes, I think he'll have proven himself, but this four-team tournament, I think it's really tough. You mentioned Duchesne is the guy who was the 13th forward. The thing about Duchesne, and I have my questions as to why he was on those teams back then, but the thing about him was that he was lightning fast and not say Bedard is a slow player by any means, but it was a very clear as day role that you are. If you get in the lineup, you're just there to four check speed, speed, mm-hmm. speed. And that's not what you want Bedard there to do. You want Gotta him to hold shoot. the puck and make plays and shoot. So it's just going to be a very different role. And look, it's team Canada. They're going to have three skilled yeah. lines. It's not to say, Oh, you don't <laughs> want him on your grind line. You don't, but uh, yeah, 25 tough 26. Yes. Where are you at? Uh, yeah. Um, I think he's going to be on both to be honest with you. Because, he's going to return this season right like we're going to see him again yep. at some point you imagine there's season. a world the world championship part as well yeah those plays in that yeah, yeah. We'll, get, we'll get a sampling I, I think we'll have enough bedard by the time the roster decisions are made but i mean the secondary part of what was so great about this announcement mm-hmm. being officialized is that boy what a content filler this oh. thing is for, for the next i mean well, well the next calendar year i was gonna say you don't you don't think we're doing this like I twice mean, this you, summer? You find yourself staring <laughs> at the sports calendar and there's nothing going on. What better way to fill that void than with I got Team a, Canada uh, roster talk? I got a beach vacation coming up at the end of the month. I think I might do like my roster mm. written in the sand. Oh, I think that might good. be like a good sure piece your family of will enjoy that. hot piece of content. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, uh, your my, kid dumps like a, some water on <laughs> your little kid, lineup. Let me tell you, if my kid had it his way, he'd be disgusted with your question about Sidney Crosby. That's uh, a deity in our house, okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah, he would have been disgusted with you. Very good. All right. Um, we'll talk to our pal, Gord Selleck, in just a second. Toronto Maple Leafs are back in action tonight. <sighs> Oh, my God. I got through New York Islanders. I survived. Thank God. There's only two games on the uh, first day of the second half slate for the NHL. Uh, Leafs are one of them. Uh, here's a refresher for those of you who don't have a long memory. At last check, the Leafs are now good again. Okay? Now, the, the Wednesday game against the Jets wasn't so good, but mm. they won it. And yeah. then the the second game on Hockey Night again, that was a dominating affair. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're good again. They have good goaltending again. And I guess we'll have to see how the All-Stars fare. They The Maple Leafs had a bunch of them in their hometown. But, yeah, coming off the bye week and the All-Star break, there's an opportunity here. If you look at the next eight games and the slate of characters that they're going to play. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the Islanders are desperate for victories. You got the, the Stars coming up after them. But a bunch of non-playoff teams in the next eight uh, who, by the way, those next eight games, there are no back-to-backs among them. So the first back-to-back is February 21st and 22nd. Might be time to see Joe Wall at that mm-hmm. point. We may have seen the last of Martin Jones. But yeah, the the, the Leafs at last check after that four-game losing streak going out in the uh, western part of this mm-hmm. country. Um, 
and and having a middling two and two road trip. They, I think the vibes were good. Yes, agreed. very good going into that bye week. Again, it was a long time ago, yeah, so just getting people back to speed ten, on that. Ten thousand years ago. Now I'm just going to ask you a question. You've been an observer of this team for a long time. Tell me if this isn't the recipe for disaster. At last check, we saw them. They were good. They have had smoke blown up their butts for a week straight mm. about being good and then about how well they did hosting and dealing with the all-star festivities. And it's a team that you should be expected to beat that is super hungry, who has an all-time great, who's now a head coach coming in. If this is not the recipe for disaster of all recipes for Leafs disaster, I don't know what is. Prove me wrong, please. But we've just, we've seen this movie couple of times before. Well, and coming I like, let's go back to the Sweden trip and coming back off mm. of that. They played a couple of their worst games yes, of the season, did. losing yet again to Couldn't the Blackhawks. Two o'clock in the afternoon for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that, in Gary. overtime and losing in Pittsburgh. So we'll see. Um, again, they've had plenty of time off, which should uh, help the aged John Tavares and Mark Giordano, you would think, but... I don't know. Gio, again, Gio talks about himself like he's a 67 like GMC or Chevy pickup that you got to really yeah. get going. And once <laughs> it turns off, who knows if it'll ever turn on again. Yeah. Maybe uh, he was just doing laps, just idling the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't want to shut it down entirely. Like nope. my dad, when I play golf with him, he's like, he can't, you don't want him sitting on a bench. I saw it once and the look of concern <laughs> on your face of like, what's no, going to no, happen No, 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 no. He's just keep standing. Uh, no, David Camping's going to have an MRI. And Tyler Bertuzzi looked a little different with the shaved locks as okay. he donated his hair to, to charity. We're going to talk to Gord, so we don't, have to ton, we don't have to do this here, but I there's no bigger positive for the second half of the season that I saw than that. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah it's good for the vibes. Mm-hmm. All right. When we come back, we will talk to the aforementioned Gord Stella because the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So I was out of town, so I could not partake in the NHL All-Star Weekend festivities. Saw more than a few media folk mm-hmm. uh, at that Justin Bieber party. I did as well. You weren't there, though. Oh, God, no. I don't think I got an invite. I didn't really peruse the email too close to, mm-hmm. and I'll leave it at that to to preserve my ego. Like, yeah. maybe I did, maybe I didn't. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. No, it seemed like a lot of people had a good time. Every single notable member of the the hockey media mm. was in town. Every single notable Canadian celebrity was in town. And uh, just a rousing success the entire weekend. Uh, our, our pal Gord Stella, co-author of Revival, the chaotic, colorful journey of the 1977-78 Toronto Maple Leafs, joins us on the line. And no doubt he partook in some of the festivities. How were how are the Bieber parties, Gord? I, 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 I assume you were there. You're Mr. Uh, Toronto. He- yeah, I was I was there with a very bad seat. How about that? I was uh, so I I, uh, <laughs> I didn't didn't do the Bieber parties, but uh, I did a lot. Uh, whether it was radio duties, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, uh, one of the real fun things is, I mean, obviously we don't deal firsthand with the current players, you know, very much like the good old days, what have you. But there were a couple of those uh, on behalf of the NHL, look, those interactive fan forums. So I had Austin Matthews and Willie Nylander Friday afternoon for an hour, followed by Morgan Riley. And Mitch Marner. And, you know, so 
it was it, it, it was fun. It's good to kind of get to know them, and I, I thought it went well just talking about stuff, you know, kid stuff and that, and then people mm. took questions and that. So uh, I, I had a real good weekend. I was fortunate to do that. So uh, I thought all in all it uh, it went well, but no, no, I wasn't at the parties you guys may have been at. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you picked up one of those beaver coats, though, after seeing that. Understanding <laughs> that that was a, a thing that you could purchase, I'm sure now now you have purchased it. But, yeah, Matthews in particular, like, it really felt like he took up the mantle, obviously, as the best player on the hometown team uh, and one of the best players in, in the NHL. He, it, it felt like he really enjoys being responsible for growing the game. Yeah, first from an organizational standpoint, Brent, uh, it, it's kind of like you're throwing a big, big party or something, and uh, you're you're reflecting on it on the Monday. And I got to say, they got to think pretty highly of themselves or well of themselves. You know, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment just about and the players and that just how they got involved and and they embraced it. And in Austin Matthews' case, now I don't want to get way ahead. That okay, can it be a comparable to what happened in Florida? That Matthew Kachuk was the guy. He was the MVP, the hometown guy, and he really was invested. And then they made it to the Stanley Cup final because obviously, you know, that's that's the big, big thing as a team they want to do. But uh, I thought I thought they really had a good handle on it. You know, did a lot of things. And then on the ice, uh, you know, they they were probably the most well. Certainly, uh, they were the compared to Nikita Kucherov and the skills. Uh, they were the one motivated the most as far as having the hometown backing. Yeah, good. Good for honestly, the more I've thought about this, good for Nikucherov. Good for Nikita Kucherov. Like leaning into the heel role. If Matthew's going to be the hero, we uh, we need a villain. So he <laughs> he dutifully uh, played played that part. You know, you're right. Like no one wants to get carried away with these things, but these are all the little steps we've talked about in the stepping stones of you know, if you're raising a kid, you talk about them becoming an adult. With Austin Matthews, it's like raising a generational superstar. Here, these are all the little touchstone moments, right? Like the fifth. 50- 50-goal season was special. Making the playoffs in his rookie year was special. And now being this guy, face of All-Star Weekend and walking away with All-Star MVP, like it just feels like another, I don't. you don't want to overstate what it means, but it feels like another tick in the box that when you look back on Austin Matthews' career, you know, it wouldn't be ruined if he didn't have this weekend, but it certainly just kind of adds another checkmark to the legacy. Yeah, it does. It does. You know what it means. Who knows? But but uh, all they could do was what he did, and he was outstanding on and off the ice. You know, and it's funny again in that one fan forum, and and um, Steve Keogh, the PR guy, said before, like if you're taking interactive questions, like you know, he he just keeps getting beaten down by the goal total and questions and whatever that. Mm-hmm. So we covered that early, and actually, I think him and uh, and Neeland are kind of like. Like I, when people were, you know, their expectations, whatever, and just said, hey, it'd be nice to be in the running individually, be in the running for the Conn Smythe Trophy. And they mm-hmm. kind of like that. That's right. Be in the running for that because that means the team has had success and probably won the Stanley Cup or at least made it to the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, that if you want to look at an individual goal, I think that's a good one for anybody on the team. Yeah. Uh, and for William Nylander, it would be uh, nice to snap his uh, three-game pointless streak. Uh, interesting how a couple of those have happened after signing the $92 million extension. I mean, if we're looking ahead to the second half of the season for this Leafs team, which starts tonight on Sportsnet against uh, Patrick Waugh's Islanders, who's who's the guy you're looking for uh, to, to have a, a better second half than first half in particular? It's hard to say Nylander because he had such an incredible start, but yeah, it, recently he hasn't been the same dude. Yeah, I'd still go more John Tavares, and it was kind of nice he went into the All-Star break. And we don't sort of put Tavares up about big numbers. We know there's a lot of different things, other elements that he brings to the game and that. But, 
you know, he was a, he was a big presence last year in the playoffs. And again, we want everyone to be a big presence in the playoffs. But I, I would say he's probably the one. And then, you know, then the other ones, Ben, it's just about, you know, guys like Domi and Bertuzzi and, you know, all those other ones they got in the offseason. Uh, again, I don't know what, you know, you could have a great second half and then bomb in the playoffs. So it all still comes back to the playoffs. But I would say if you had to say one guy, just the, the John Tavares that we've seen in other years. Yeah, I think there's definitely uh, an element to that in terms of what people are looking for. There's been some talk about maybe even uh, like moving him to the wing. You know, I know Kip has bandied that that idea about a handful of times. And, you know, it's just you can do it in fits and spurts, but it's hard to kind of envision a lineup where you keep him there, you know, full time for, for lack of a better term. You know, you mentioned Bertuzzi and, and Domi there and, you know, they're having similar but different seasons. I don't know where you're at, but, you know, less so less so with Domi, but more so with Bertuzzi. I'm kind of at the point that just get through the regular season do what you're going to do you know try to find your way but it does seem like the best case scenario for them is or the team and him is just him being able to flip that switch come playoff time and you know I know we banked on guys being able to do that in the past and it hasn't always worked out but I think I think the all-star break kind of does allow a nice reset for him like I don't know if you saw he cut off all the hair he's looking like a different dude now I do wonder if this allows him to just kind of have an exhale and okay you're not going to come in and put up your 70 point season that you thought you were going to get and set yourself into free agency but it's about kind of finding the right chemistry and being able to be that that past an antagonist when when the playoffs start. Yeah, I think it's a good point, uh, Brent, about the reset. A little bit of that, whether you, it's good or bad, whatever. But uh, you get a chance to do that. Certainly, uh, I think Martin Jones did that coming here in the first place. Boy, Ilya Samsonov, whatever he did, that's been a real positive of late. And you know, I know we'll talk more and more trade deadline stuff as we get closer to it. But in a lot of ways, I'm thinking. Okay, those are the trade deadline guys. I mean, they're, you know, the getting on the term of one year was great from a team point of view. And uh, they're almost like two hired guns to see what they can do in the stretch run and especially in the playoffs. And it's been a really uneven season for the team now. Getting strong and those wins before the All Star break was a real plus, but and it's been an uneven season for a lot of the players, and and that's two of them. And like you say, it's uh, kind of the die is cast as far as what the season will be. Uh, and uh, the next part is again, like everybody, vie for that Conn Smythe Trophy, whatever the best way is possible. All right, so you mentioned, that, yeah, the, the trade deadline is is approaching early early March, but it does feel like trade season is certainly upon us, and certainly when it comes to the Calgary Flames, who have. The, the target that it feels like the, the Maple Leafs are, are most interested in, in Chris Tanev, who is 34 years old, just turned 34 in December. He's a pending free agent. It does feel like, you know, given his druthers, he would certainly like to play in his hometown of Toronto. He's a guy that plays a, a, a great playoff style if he can remain healthy, and it's tough when he plays that style. And he's also 34 I mean, you look at the market, you you, you imagine what it's going to cost to take him, and you also look at the fact that the Leafs have no second-round picks for forever, and, and maybe it takes a first-round pick to get Chris Tanev. Like, are you willing to pay that price for a guy who, okay, you bring into Toronto, is, is likely to engage you in contract extension discussions, but, yeah, is going to be 35 years old in the first year of whatever that extension is? No, no, I don't, I don't give no more first rounders. That, that's it. That's it. The cupboard is bare and no more. And, and I, I've been thinking about more and more, Ben, just that the Nick Felinos and the Ryan O'Reilly's that no, no more, no more. It's the kind of thing, the Luke Shen, which you got for a third round pick and, and what a great pickup he was last year, that that is really depth pieces that you have to be looking for. You know, these guys that you know, were the stars of the all-star weekend, um, they're the ones that got to bring it. Okay. 
So you look at the supporting cast and you try to get more depth. The goaltending is always going to be something that you're, uh, um, you never know how it's going to pan out. You hope whether it's Joe Wall or Samsonov or Martin Jones comes up big, plays like, say, Bobrovsky did or like the Vegas goaltenders did, whatever it may be. But I just, yeah, you're, you're not shopping there anymore. That ship has sailed. And then in the offseason, if Chris Tanev's a, a unrestricted free agent interested in coming here, that's a different story. But uh, it seems like you're going to drive a, a pretty good price and the least got to stop paying that. Yeah, and I mean, you just, I know it's forwards that have that have got moved already, but you see the prices that are being paid everywhere in the league, right? Like it's prospects, a player, and a pick for Lindholm. It's a pick going the other way for, for Monaghan. So yeah, especially with Calgary, if they're able to kind of, you know, hold all the chips uh, as we get closer to deadline, uh, it's definitely going to work in their favor. And, you know, I, I imagine you you agree with me on this, but I'll just ask you, Gord, like it feels to me like the, the idea of no first-round picks, that's a for the next couple of years deal here. Like the, not to say you can't do that next year, but I do think if there's a world where you're able to kind of keep your powder dry to a certain extent, you know, no first round picks this year, nothing next year, then when everybody's back under contract again, and you kind of have your, your idea of reset, then you can kind of get back to shopping in those waters at the deadline. That, that's at least how kind of I, I see things here. Where are you at on that idea, Gord? Yeah, I, th- I think it's comparable. I mean, to me, the model hasn't worked. You know, you, you've shopped like a Stanley Cup winner, and you haven't done it. You've just won one round. So, it, you know, that's gone. And, uh, and, I'm, and actually, last year, I didn't criticize it at all. I thought, okay, all in, all in. It was time. You could argue now the Leafs' better chance to win a Stanley Cup was last year or the year before, and that mm-hmm. might be a valid argument. But still... You know, teams go through the Washington Capitals won it when you least expect it. But we're just so so. I just say you got to all these since you've re-upped all these players, all the Matthews and Nylander, like you've, you've doubled down, made the commitment. So I know teams are the factor when it comes in the playoffs. But your formula is your top heavy, and that formula is what's going to have to have to be the one that leads you as far as it goes. There's no other name to plop in there mm-hmm. of that kind of caliber that in, involves giving up a lot of futures like you've done a couple of times in the past. Yeah, Chris Tanev does feel perfect for this team, but so did Ryan O'Reilly and also a hometown guy, a pending free agent. You're like, well, you re-sign him as well. Like, yeah, it all ended. It didn't exactly, you know. And uh, <laughs> he had a Conn Smythe trophy, and hey, they won a round. So I guess you can debate how effective that trade was. Um, but yeah. Uh, it'd be a tough sell to do it again. All right, um, so we got the Islanders in town tonight. Uh, return of Patrick Waugh to the NHL, and uh, record-wise, it hasn't gone swimmingly, but we talked to Thomas Hickey last week, and he said just the vibe around the team and just the way they played in, in those games since Patrick Waugh has taken over as head coach has been night and day since before. Um, I mean, just your thoughts, Gord, of, of, of the great Patrick Waugh being back in our lives as far as, like, content creators around the NHL. It feels like it's it's just manna from heaven. Yeah, you know, Ben, um, I think it's a real positive for the New York Islanders. And it's uh, – give the guy credit. Like, he did a great job in Colorado. Then you could not have had a more unprofessional ending to it. And, and he's, he's worn that after. He's acknowledged it. He just said – he went back and just kicked ass in junior hockey again and acknowledged that he mishandled the Colorado – situation at the end so you know uh, Mia Culpa goes out there a lot of people thought maybe Ottawa would be the destination and right now boy the New York Islanders if you just look at the standings right now I mean you talk about a four-point game for them tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs not so much against the Leafs but if you're trying to get in the playoffs they got a game to make up on the Philadelphia Flyers who are sliding and right now there'd be three teams in that division compared to five in the Atlantic that would be in the playoffs so this is a huge opportunity for the New York Islanders about you know trying to 
trying to get more in that playoff race and roll up their sleeves. So they're going to be very, very motivated. You always wonder about, okay, the first the first home game after a long road trip. It hasn't so much been a long road trip. It's just sort of been a big party. And what's that going to be like for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight? So uh, I'm really looking forward to getting back at it. And, yeah, Patrick Wan, the New York Islanders, uh, that certainly has made, I think, everybody keep their eye on them a little bit more down the stretch drive. Yeah, Waugh is obviously a super interesting figure. And, yeah, I, I said the exact same thing, Gord. It's a, who knows what version of the Leafs we see tonight, right? Generally speaking, when they've played well and we've sat here talking about how well they've played, maybe they don't play so well the next time. So uh, hopefully they can buck that that trend uh, tonight. I mentioned Montreal earlier to you. I just kind of wanted to ask you quickly about the kind of route they've been taking here. Like, I think Kent Hughes has done some really good things. You get a first-round pick to take Monaghan, and you get a first-round pick to ship him out. Nobody can quibble with that. But you see the guy they took at one in Slavkovsky and the rebuild kind of, you know, sputtering a, a, a touch there. What are you made of the job Montreal has done? And, and maybe it's just a reminder of, of how uh, it's far from a guarantee just because you start bottoming out that things are going to bounce back quickly. Yeah, so you talk about teams that are you know want to go for it, and you know Winnipeg, a great example, making that trade. They're not usually a team that adds. And then Montreal, when you're doing the retool, whatever rebuild, whatever you want to call it, uh, you you just gave an excellent example to be able to parlay one player into two first round picks, like they did with Sean Monahan. And that's you know that's just really adept management. And the, you know it, it seems like the fans and everyone have bought into that whole group there about okay, let's get it done and let's get it done right. And in Slavkovsky's case as well. They've been really, really patient, and he's getting better. Like, he, he really is improving uh, as things go on. I mean, you look at Shane Wright, who was supposed to be the sure thing, still, you know, basically improving in the American Hockey League in, Seattle's, in Seattle system. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's as long as uh, you know, the fans big time are buying in, uh, the, the whole well, look at the patience factor in Detroit. You brought Steve Eiserman in, and it's taken longer, I think, than the average Red Wing fan thought it would. And, that's what we're going into Montreal. But, I, you know, again, it's about laying the foundation. You start it, and I think they're laying the foundation very, very well. Uh, Gordo, uh, thanks as always, especially uh, at an uh, early morning hour like uh, you are doing today. I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Sounds good, gentlemen. You too. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Gord Stella, co-author of Revival, The Chaotic, Colorful Journey of the 1977-78 Toronto Maple Leafs in action tonight against the New York Islanders on Sportsnet. Winners of three consecutive, two consecutive over the once-vaunted Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, it's funny, right? The Jets, you know, they have the home-and-home against the Leafs, and everyone is putting it as a referendum on Toronto and what exactly they are, and rightfully so. It's a good measuring stick couple of games. You get one against Hellybuck, you get one not against Hellybuck, and, you know, Brassois handled himself well. And, you know, we've seen, it's just interesting to me that the Jets lose both those games mm-hmm. and over All-Star break say, you know what we need to do? We need to get better. We yeah. need to go out and improve our team. If that had happened the other way around for the Leafs and they were in the position, now I'm not saying it would have worked exactly the same way, but can you imagine the Leafs losing, you know, just make it not this year, make it a year ago when they were in a much better spot or two years ago when they were running away with things? Imagine them losing two straight games, had to get to the all-star break and the rest be going, you know, what we need to do is add to this team right now. It's just, it would never, ever happen. You know, I think that's par for the course of a slightly saner hockey market. And it's also just a core that 
has had so many less kind of ups and downs, less ups as well, but the less of the downs that that just jumped out to me like a sore thumb. The idea of them trading for a guy after losing two straight to the league. Yeah, and again, correlation not causation necessarily, but it does. It is interesting for a team that's having the the season that the Jets are having. We've talked about them, but yeah, I think that the biggest topic around that team at the beginning of the season was the lack of attendance, mm-hmm. considering their strong play. Yeah, and I think if you were going to rank the attention around all the seven. In Canadian markets, it would probably rank seventh, close mm-hmm. to seventh, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it just kind of feels like out of sight, out of mind. When they get the marquee game of playing the biggest mm-hmm. market team in the NHL and certainly in this country, that you notably lose those two games, albeit without Mark Shifley for either of them. And yeah, you know, they, they were banged up uh, in both those games. And their best player, Connor Hellebuck, as you mentioned, only playing yeah. in 50% of them. But yeah, it's uh, it is funny that they immediately go out and give up a first round pick and a third ba- uh, round pick for Sean Monahan. Yeah, but that's Mark Shafley's favorite team, and if they really loved him, they would have beat the Leafs for him. Yeah, that's true. Bad leadership. Uh, they haven't won I since they said uh, there's nothing like beating Kinda. Maple Leafs. So this is like the the conversation around Chris Tanev until he moves somewhere is mm-hmm. going to grow and grow and grow. And we'll talk to our pal Frank Cervelli mm-hmm. after eight o'clock about it. Yeah. But yeah, it, okay, well, the trade deadline's not for another month-ish. Mm-hmm. By the way, NBA trade deadline on Thursday this yeah, week. Six, six days, or like six minutes from yeah, now. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. to Dave McMenamin uh, before we sign off today. Uh, as the Raptors have a whole lot that they're probably still looking to shop before the deadline. But yeah, the NHL trade deadline, not for another month. But it does feel like, well, at least in the instance of the Calgary Flames, who have the best pieces and the most available pieces, and they've already started with the Elias Lindholm thing, um, they have Noah Hannafin and they have Chris Tanev, who we've all like beginning of the season, mm-hmm. the dots were connected and right, it was Nikita Zadorov, but it's like, oh, can you do like a, a twofer where you get both of them at mm-hmm. the same time? Um, that didn't happen. End up in Vancouver, and who knows if the the rumors kind of circulating around them flipping him again. Or I swear, if they flip him for something close to what they got <laughs> after everyone told me that no, no, the Leafs didn't need to get in on that guy, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, but anyways, um, the Tanev thing is going to become a bigger and bigger topic of conversation. Not to say that it wasn't already big with this team, but yeah, it does. Like again, you look at the second round picks and the, the lack of them; <laughs> they're not there. Okay, maybe you can do the poo-poo platter of third-round picks, but it doesn't feel like the way the market is trending. And I get it. There's there's nobody mm-hmm. that, I guess, stands out in the Eastern Conference. There's a whole big Western Conference out there that would love to add right. somebody of, of Chris Tanev's ilk. Who wouldn't? A healthy yep. Chris Tanev. But a guy that, again, is 34, pending free agent, is just, like, injured a lot mm-hmm. because he does... Lay it on the line a lot, which you love, right? Like, that's the good and the bad. The Maple Leafs are going to have to pony up for Chris Tanev, and then once you acquire him, you got to be pretty certain that he's going to fit into your cap structure for next season. Beyond that, we understand it's a little bit easier when John Tavares' 11 million bucks Mm -hmm. come off the books, but, yeah, that you're going to re-sign him for, like, you, you almost have to have that, like, Back channel conversation with Chris Tanev, and then do you want? How long do you want to pencil in a guy at 35 years old? See okay, you're gonna Gio wait. Right now. Yeah, I mean, and you're gonna wave goodbye to the TJ Brody at 34 thing, but yeah, okay, a guy who has an injury history at 35 years old. How, how often? How how many years can you count on that? Well, not very many. You can count on it until you can't. That's the most dangerous thing about it. Is I don't think it's going to be some slow decline. I think a guy like that loses a little, and he loses a lot. And you're kind of seeing him a March Giordano. Like, he didn't slowly become a more effective lease player. 
has kind of taken precipitous declines and maybe one or two of them since he's been here, the, the version you, you get of him. The, as you were talking about that, what I was thinking about on top of the excellent points you're making, but I was also thinking if Brad Living had truth serum, does he wish John Klingberg was just bad and healthy and then we didn't have to have these conversations because, man, what do you want? Capped out. Like, what do you want? <laughs> team's capped out. I mean, because the, the uh, only depends reason, on what the, the team's only, record was. The only reason we're having these conversations is because they can, is because yeah. the cap space is there. Mm-hmm. If this team, if this was a capped out team that was performing this way, then you'd say, you know what? It's probably not their year. Maybe there's the smallest of that, mm-hmm. but there's a giant chasm of cap space in a mm-hmm. league where the only thing that matters outside of having, there's only, there's only three things that matter in the NHL. It's, do you have cap space? Do you have, do you have a uh, good goalie? And do you have good players? That's, that's really it. The Leafs have two of the three and maybe the third thing. Mm-hmm. So the idea of just sitting there with your hands going, well, you know, we traded away second round picks in years past. I, that is the part that makes it such a hard disconnect to have here. So I agree. I think it's going to be a quiet deadline. I just think the only reason we're even having a discussion about this one way or another is because of the cap space that's that's sitting there because, I mean, you know, you don't want to make it all about one guy, but it's all about one guy. It's about Klingberg's money. Yeah. How are you going to spend it? Yeah, there is, I, I feel like. God, a- imagine you could do the reverse, like, Connor Brown, his bonuses are paid next year. Mm-hmm. Then you could just like, can we take this LTIR to next year? Do not need it this year. Right. Do not need it. Like roll over dead cap money like the NFL. Wow. God, there's a million ways this cap should be could be so much better. Unless it's somebody that you are throwing the poo-poo platter at. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the market is for Ilya Labushkin. I imagine it's less than yeah, and, Chris Tanev. You know, Philly's got a couple of guys in, in Walker and Sealer there. If they fall out of the picture, those are guys that are much mm-hmm. less sexier. Although they're the classic guys that the second two GMs start nibbling on him. It's like, mm, mm-hmm. a third pairing guy who's kind of rugged. Ooh, give them everything you can for that player. Like we've just seen that movie happen a thousand times at the deadline before too. So uh, it should be an interesting month upcoming. Uh, it starts tonight at home on Sportsnet against the New York Islanders. When we come back, Austin Matthews with a pretty big star performance over the weekend. Does he have a chance to be the most famous athlete to ever play in Toronto? And we'll get into the Raptors implosion against the thunder yesterday as well as the fan morning show continues ben ennis brent gunning sportsnet 590 the fan